Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh dear brothers and sisters welcome to our new program the new middle east as uh, obvious it's uh, going to be a podcast program inshallah we're going to be discussing with our special guests the main events taking place in the middle east and also in the islamic countries around the world today we have our brother our special guest ibrahim ibn mas'ud he's a lebanese australian and he's here in syria approximately since 10 years Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome, Akhi. Uh, thank you for you know giving your time to us today as our first guest in our new program, inshallah. Thank you for having us and I uh, wish you all the best for this program. Uh, You're welcome, Akhi. Uh, first of all, for our audience, maybe uh, we can discuss a little bit if you uh, like uh, about yourself. Tell us about yourself, like. Uh, what were you doing in Australia before? Like, what was you working? Was your education, and maybe uh, why did you come to Syria? Yeah, better coffee, Kahi. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Like I said, thanks for having me on, Kahi. You're welcome. It's a good opportunity to discuss about the world events and what's happening in the region. Subhanallah, we're living in a very you know, interesting world at the moment. Yes. About myself, <coughs> uh, raised in Australia. Lebanese family. Um, I worked in business uh, after my education. Uh, I was sportsman most oh. of my life. Cricket, opening batsman and bowler. Nice For those who know about cricket will know, know, know what that means. Yeah. Uh, played soccer and uh, a few other sports. You call it football. Yeah. We call it soccer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, big Lebanese family. Very, uh, you could say, funful family. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah. And uh, yeah, so it's Pala, I worked in business, uh, trade, in uh, groceries, fruit and vegetables, oh. uh, many, many different fields in aluminium, etc. Uh, yeah, that's basically a little bit about myself. If you, uh, you know, the, the cliche story is always when uh, the, the West is, uh, is writing about us uh, foreigners mm. uh, going to war-torn countries, mm. you know, to, uh, to volunteer and to help the people, the, the oppressed people. Uh, always the story is like, uh, because it was the story also about me, that like uh, he had no future and he saw the future uh, when he started practicing Islam in, in the Islamic community, it gave him values. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they convinced him to go uh, to Syria or to wherever a war-torn country is. Mm -hmm. And he had no bright future, you know. Mm -hmm. But like from what you say, you were you were uh, a businessman. You were doing, uh, you know, trading. You had your own uh, business, and uh, I guess it was going uh, all well. Uh, why did you leave all this? For what did you leave all this? Why, Yani? What was it that convinced you to leave all this? And was it worth it to to leave all it of it and come to Syria to a war torn country? Yeah, I think uh, understanding. Like, I, I alhamdulillah, I was practicing. From when I was a young teenager, yani. mm. uh, and we'll, our house was close to the masjid, to the mm. mosque. So I, I, Allah granted me ability to be to spend time in the in the mosque, and have reasonably good uh, yani environment, a good friends, Catholic worshiping friends, mm. and being a Muslim youth living in Methan, a Western country, you have many opportunities in front of you. Uh, maybe financial situation might be reasonably good. Seeing your Muslim brothers around the world living in a different situation always 
يعني you could say uh, يعني was something present in my mind and my heart. So it made me feel as though that I wasn't <coughs> يعني what what really was the purpose of life يعني. Maybe some people ask themselves this this question might be yeah. a standard question. <coughs> really understanding what what is the purpose of life? Am I here to do business, do trade, مثلا drive a nice car? To just live a life. What, what's my purpose? You know, why am I on earth? No. And these sort of questions really made me uh, يعني understand that deep down and, and, and you know to, to live a proper life and to do what you know the reason why I'm on this earth if I'm going to just be selfish and you know serve myself then I would have stayed in Australia and you know lived my life and done business etc but I felt like I, I had something that I an obligation I needed to do to you know try to t- play take part in serving my harmed brothers and sisters no it wasn't just Syria you know it was like Palestine Iraq Syria Afghanistan You see, basically uh, everywhere, yeah, Islamic countries, look, it's just news the Muslims are being oppressed. Being, you know though. what I mean? So I just, I, I just felt like, yani, I'd look at my, myself in the mirror. I felt like Saraha was looking at, looking at, yani, wasn't. I'm not going to say a hypocrite, but someone that wasn't really doing his obligation. No. So this sort of, yani, made me understand and realize that I needed to do more, not for myself. more for my brothers and sisters that were in need of my assistance yani. yes even though what i can contribute may be very basic yani. it might be it might not be very uh, you know significant at But least w- you feel what they feel yeah at, at the end of the day what uh, if i'm going to be asked on the day of judgment i could say that ya allah i done my, my part or i tried to do my part yeah. you know what i mean yes 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 of course so that sort of drove me towards you know coming towards my homeland which is bilad sham no Yeah, having Lebanese background, Syria, Lebanon, even my my villages are on the border of Syria. Some of our lands and Syrian lands, my cousins and relatives are married to Syrians. Very, very similar culture, pretty much the same culture. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, one country before yeah. just hundred years, right? Exactly. Like our village is from Damascus, about 80 kilometers away from Damascus. Mm. It's quite close. Yeah, to the like it capital. Lived, it lived. It lived to Damascus, like 250 kilometers. Yeah. And then my village, Damascus, was like much closer. Yeah. So very close. For, uh, I, I felt like I needed to come back to my homeland and uh, try to take part and, and do my part as a Muslim uh, young man, etc. Do my part and try to serve and, and you know volunteer work, etc. Serve and help my my brothers and sisters in need. Did you ever? I'm just asking you the yeah. questions. I get always asked also Tell because me. you know the people. Uh, most of the people can't understand like how you as a young man. Uh, took a uh, extreme decision like this and uh, left uh, your life, your parents, your your comfort zone, and uh, went to a war-torn country. Mm. Uh, you know, like for you as an example, you were at least talking Arabic, right? Yeah, I speak Arabic. I, I came here. I, I was talking two two words of Arabic. Mm. That was Jazakallah Khair, Barakallah Fiq, Salamu Alaikum, Alaikum Salam. That was it. You know. Wow. So when I came. Alhamdulillah, there were other foreigners also, and also the 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 Syrian locals. Uh, locals you know, they they were trying to help you while understanding you. You know, so no. Alhamdulillah, it didn't take it took me too much time to yeah. uh, learn the language. But uh, I mean, uh, did you ever regret uh, coming here? That was like one of the most questions yeah. that I've been asked. You know, like as an example, because. The situation from outside, when they uh, view the situation, like from outside they view our areas or our uh, region, they view it uh, 
according to their understanding. Yeah. You know, like as an example, when we were besieged in Aleppo, mm. I was one of the most happiest men probably in the world at that time. Because I was happy that Allah was utilizing me inside the besiegement of Aleppo. Mm. I don't think, I, I think I would feel the same way how you were feeling when you were sitting in Australia and looking in the mirror. That like, uh, I would feel the same way if I was outside of Aleppo, like in Idlib as an example, and 250,000 Muslim brothers and sisters were besieging Aleppo and were getting pounded from the morning until the evening by Iranian and Russian uh, rockets, you know. So I was really happy. And to be honest, in my uh, maybe 11 years of... Uh, time of practicing the religion alhamdulillah i think the aleppo days were like the the days i had the most uh, high iman allah alam. that was like that was like my uh, next level of iman we had in those days you know alhamdulillah so so the people but the people from outside were like messaging me and saying like i'm really sorry bro i, I wish i was like for what are you sorry man like i'm happy you know i'm, I'm good man i'm really happy you know the only thing that was like a little uh, thing in my heart that i made me feel a little bit upset was like that my first child was in the was in the you know, my my wife was pregnant to my first child and I was a little bit upset about that I might not see my first child. I might not make it out. Mm -hmm. And uh, my child, uh, my first child, uh, I might not be able to ever see it. And it, it would have to, you know, grow up uh, without a father. No. That was like the only thing sometimes it would uh, give me like, you know, a reason to think, no. you know. But, but in general, we were really happy. So, mm. so now to the question. Yeah. So the people are probably viewing you or us in the same way from outside, you know. So, did you ever regret coming to Syria? Yeah, jazakallah khair. Oh yeah. Subhanallah. I don't think a person outside of our area could really understand the tranquility in our hearts, you know. No. Yani, I think you mentioned it, like being in the besieged area. The the mind, like naturally. A person will think that's the, that's the ultimate hardship, you know. Mm. But it comes back to what you know. What's what? What are you seeking, and what what's in your heart? You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you f when you're in there and you're there for the for the purpose of serving the heart, the hurt and the needy and the poor and the oppressed, and you're with them, you might feel fear, like Musa Rizam felt fear yes, when yeah. he was up against Pharaoh and the and magicians. Yeah. It's not odd. For a Muslim to, to feel fear, you know? yeah, you might feel fear, you might feel hunger, but the satisfaction in the heart, yeah, that's really important. And that's like when you leave my thing, your family, I've left children behind me, oh. uh, my wife, and now ex wife, you know, and uh, my parents. Um, <clears throat> the satisfaction in the heart for serving uh, the poor and needy. It really covers all that. Oh, and also, subhanAllah, as the prime point is the the promises of Allah, subhanAllah. Oh. He's promised those who sacrifice in his path the grand or the, the greatest and the best rewards. Oh. And forgiveness and, uh, and, you know, all this sort of motivates you and pushes you towards, towards uh, you know, continuing your, your goal. Yeah. Continuing. Yeah. And like I said, tranquility. No. <coughs> yani, if you don't live here, you'll never be able to taste it. So I know if, if you look at it, like I said, from the 
standard lens. It looks like it's hardship, poverty, you know, aeroplanes, bombs, etc. But when you look at it from an Islamic, godly, lordly point of view, no. which is inshallah what we ask Allah for us to be looking Ameen. at through, you know, then this is the opportunity, the gold, golden opportunity. It then is the best place to be in the, yes. in the world yes. at, at this yes. time. Yani. And that's uh, for the believer, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that ajab uh, li amr al-mu'min, inna amruhu kulluhu lahu khair. That amaze is the affairs of a mu'min, a believer, that everything is good for him. In asabatu darra shakar fakana khairan lah. If good befalls him, he is grateful and that is good for him. When asabatu darra sabar fakana khairan lah. And if hardship befalls him, he's patient and that is good for him. And this is only for the believer, subhanAllah. So, uh one amazing thing is that living here and living amongst our brothers and sisters that are going through this real trials and, and, and tribulations, you see the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an and the uh, sunnah and the hadith of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You see them being translated on the ground. Yeah. You, you see, see them, them being implemented. In front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. subhanAllah. So many times it happens. And uh, the rewards are co- uh, according to the hardship. No. So we're not seeking finance. We wouldn't come to Syria to seek wealth or to seek comfort, you know, or comfort or all that sort of stuff. Inshallah, we came here to seek the pleasure of Allah. Inshallah. And then the ajr, the reward, is according to the hardship. No. And these sort of you know, beautiful uh, promises of Allah is what's pushed us forward and made us carry on. You know. Yeah. May Allah Azza accept of us and oh, yeah. give us a thabat. Oh, yeah. Zakallah khair. I got a bit. That was a bit deep talk. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> 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 it's good to, you know. Uh, Rejuvenate any of this. Yeah, it's good to remember mm-hmm. all this. You know, sometimes you you get so busy with uh, life, mm-hmm. even here, and in in you know in the blessed lands of Sham. You know, especially when uh, there's not much uh, war and uh, hardship going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. since the last two or three years, no. since the last offensive of Russia, you know, has stopped, no. and they come uh, to uh, some sort of uh, ceasefire. You know, no. it's it's uh, it's more difficult to keep your iman high, Subhanallah. No. You know, because in in the in the times of clashes and you go into the front lines, up like as an example for me, as like uh, I'm covering the the events on the front lines and all this, no. you know. No. You you always close very close to to death, even though you are always close to death. But when it doesn't happen, uh, shaitan uh, yeah, you forget it. F- yeah, makes you forget, you know, and makes you feel like comfortable. Now nah, I'm still young, I'm healthy, I don't have nothing wrong, you know. I, I will still live. I still have time to do toba and and to worship Allah Azzawajal and have time still to seek His pleasure and that, you know. But yeah. on the front lines, when you go go, go and come. You lose every few uh, days a car, a, a bike, uh, you know, you see brothers getting killed also in front of you. You see, it's like you always like uh, being re- reminded of, no. of, of death, you know, no. then like you don't have no chance other than having high Iman, mm. you know, no. unless you're a hypocrite. Yani, may Allah oh. preserve us from Amen. being one. Amen. But subhanAllah is. Yeah, when you have these kind of deep talks with brothers, you know, you, you come back to reality, yeah, subhanAllah. Yeah. It's really important. Zakallah yeah. khair. Um, I want to talk about the, the World Cup mm. because uh, whoever lives on the world right now, 
uh, knows about uh, it and yeah, yeah. Th- that there is uh, right now a World Cup uh, taking place football tournament in no. Qatar also. So this is the first time ever, I think, that it's uh, in a, a, a Muslim country or also a, a, an yeah. Arab country. And uh, it's also interesting to see that now the, the first time Morocco, a, a African uh, Arab country, also is uh, the first time now in the semifinals, mm-hmm. and uh, it has really caused like some kind of uh, uh, how would I say like uh, discussion? Yeah, uh, like contro- controversy, yeah, like yeah. like like in the ummah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like you you had the the ones who say like uh, criticize the people who are happy about uh, the victory of uh, Morocco, a Muslim country against Spain, against Portugal, okay. against like non-Muslim countries, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so, so you had the, 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 the people who were criticizing it and saying like, oh, man, why are you happy about it? It's just a football tournament or it's just a football match. It's not like that they uh, conquered uh, Spain or that they conquered Portugal, you know? No. And you had the, 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 the middle standing people mm. as you always have in everything. You have the extreme ones, the extreme harsh ones or the extreme soft ones and you have the, the right. ones of the, yeah, and the, then the center ones and the, you know, the balanced ones. Mm. So anyway, uh, from my analys- uh, analysis, I, I've seen, you know, it's, it's, it's ajib that that the Muslim Ummah has uh, reached uh, a level where, honestly, I enjoy football. Mm-hmm. I've played uh, 20 years long football. I was playing football, I was six years old, you know, mm-hmm. and I was... Uh, I was doing good in Germany when I was th- I was playing football and mm. you know I could have made a career but alhamdulillah Allah has chosen uh, better things for me but uh, and even when I came here I'm playing football here also yeah. we're playing weekly football social. with brothers social. and you know to be social also to do some Energy. sports and to yeah. because it's fun you know to play football it, I enjoy it no. so uh, I enjoy watching football mm-hmm. you know and this is uh, really also the first time ever that I uh, have watched some matches in the, in the World Cup in Syria. I'm here since nine years. There was uh, twice, I think, World Cup and once uh, European Cup. Okay. I never watched them and mm-hmm. never followed them. But this time, that like uh, you know, the Muslim countries like Morocco, the first time they are in uh, the semifinals now, and that it's it's really like you see everyone, even the Arabs, the Muslims, mm-hmm. they are like really happy about it. And also you see the Moroccan uh, national team going, uh, you know, like uh, when they are victorious, okay. uh, they go in after match around with Palestinian flags and that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so it has caused like a controversy yeah, no. there in, no. in the Ummah. No. My analysis is that, that we have reached a level that, that Muslims are so hungry for victory they are so hungry for victory because the Muslim Ummah is used to such, to be so defeatist mm. since 100 years, since the fall of the last uh, Islamic Empire, since mm. the Ottoman Empire. Mm. Uh, that, that was the center mm. of the Muslims. No. Even though there are maybe some things you can criticize about the Ottoman Empire, that's, mm. that's not our position to, to, no. to, to, to make this criticism. But in the end of the day, there was a center for the Muslims, there was a protector mm-hmm. for the Muslims on the ground, you know. So the 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 the, the non-Muslim countries or the Crusaders or, or you know the the Romans and the European, they had to think about uh, invading or harming a Muslim mm-hmm. twice, mm-hmm. 
before they did it. But today no. you see just like as an example, Israel what is doing in, in Palestine just no. two days ago, a police uh, shot, shot a young boy dead just on the street, just a few shots. He just gave him that and he just walked off. And you no. don't even see like a big backlash on media. You don't even see no no human uh, rights organizations. And I don't know what they're all called, you know, those fake hypocritic mm. uh, organizations. Nobody came out and criticized the Israeli mm. defense ministry or force. No. Uh, for this act, you know, no. so it's really upsetting. In one one side, it's 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 making me happy to see that the Muslims are so ready to unite. Mm. That like even non-Moroccan people, like Arabs and Muslims and Turks, uh, you've seen also no. in general the Muslims they are happy about uh, Morocco uh, being victorious, you know, no. because it's a Muslim country. No. Yeah. And in the other side, it, it makes me upset that just a football match is so, yeah, and we are so simple, mm. yeah, with our goals in life that like a football match makes us happy mm. and contents our hearts, you know. Mm. While most of the Muslim countries are being invaded by, you know, by non-Muslims, by enemy forces, you know, Muslim sisters are being raped. Unfortunately, uh, men are being tortured in prisons everywhere around the world. Still in Syria, the tortures and the rapes is continuing in uh, Assad's uh, prisons. Yeah. And in other countries, in Myanmar, you see Muslims still being slaughtered, you know. In uh, Iraq, the Shia are being, uh, you know, slaughtering and killing also and oppressing Muslims. Around the world, everywhere, Yemen and uh, wherever, yani, you, yeah. you, you can uh, imagine Imagine in the Islamic country, the Muslims are being oppressed. No. How do you think we should uh, view the the World Cup yeah. or the victory of a Muslim country in uh, in the World Cup? Yeah, Subhanallah. I think uh, yeah, you mentioned a very important point. The Muslims are thirsty, Yani yeah, imagine walking in the desert, dry desert, yeah. for a long time, man. Subhanallah. And then finally seeing in front of you a mirage, yani. It's some sort of a hope, Yanni. Um, sport in general, it's uh, Yanni, something that uh, Yanni, I think it's 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 standard procedure in all even Muslim non-Muslim countries, Yanni. Yeah. Soccer uh, or football, Yanni. Basketball, Yanni. It's uh, you have youth energy, and uh, it's it's going to be utilized somewhere, Yanni. And even in the liberated areas, you have the sports center that got opened recently. Yeah, you have other sports centers spread out throughout the whole liberated areas, Yanni, and they're they're full. Like, and this is Yanni, <clears throat> if you don't uh, direct the youth energy in a positive direction, then it's going to be directed into a negative direction. Like. Mm. So I think sport is definitely a way to Yanni direct youth into a, a, a direction which can be positive. It comes back to a very important you know, uh, point that إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ Surely the, uh, the actions according to the intentions. You know. No. Uh, Muslim worlds or Muslim countries not contributing in these sort of events, it, it may leave a big void. You know. And uh, if you see the scholars, I'm not a scholar, so for me to speak about the you know, Islamic uh, verdict regarding no. soccer, even amongst the scholars, there's differences of opinion. You know. yeah. uh, I wouldn't be able to you know, give you my give you, give you uh, you know, the Islamic you know, verdict here. 
But we'll speak about Yani uh, on the ground and what I've understood from the Islamic scholars locally and internationally. Yani, that if if sports used in a positive way to keep fit, uh, Muslim, Muslim youth, especially in war zones, need to be fit. Mm. So if it's used in a positive way, then then it's positive. If it's used in a negative way, where it becomes like nationalism, uh, or it's used may- maybe in a way, you know, you know, it could be used in a, in a negative way. Uh, that's where it, it might it maybe should be avoided. You know. no. But sport, like I said, if you have the youth u- utilizing the youth's energy in like sporting events, uh, I, I see that it's a positive po- positive attribute in society. You know. So taking part, Muslims taking part in World Cup, etc., being in Qatar. Yeah, and I see there's there's positives and negatives, okay. And um, yeah, and you're in a world, the world system, the world order, the world, you know, the process that the way the world's running at the moment. Yeah, Muslims are trying to balance, or you can see, I can see it that there's a lot of effort trying to balance. Like, how do I balance Islam and the world, the way the world's running now? No. A lot of the Muslims, like, you find that they're confused, okay. Is this halal? Is this haram? Like, if I do this in this way. And I think a lot of the times it's fine line, okay. It's fine line between halal and haram. Yeah. And I I think it's, it comes back to the intention, yeah. Uh, Morocco winning and seeing the, the retaliation of the Muslim ummah, even in Syria. Yani, uh, I think, like, it's very, it's, it's like symbolic, it's not just that they won. It's about who they won against, mm. and it brings back memories of the Muslim Muslim times, Jenny, that our lands were occupied and are, have been occupied and are occupied. Uh, and Muslims went through a lot of hardship, a lot of hardship. I, I read about a German uh, uh, commentator that was commentating about the sport event. So he's saying that one of the me- members of the Rockin sports team, the football team that won against uh, Portugal. Yeah. He went up to the stadium and kissed his mum and kissed his dad and hugged them and it was like a family event. And he said, this is something that we don't see in the West. So, and he was mentioning that this is, we, we can learn from them, like the, the culture and the way that they respect towards the parents. One other person wrote like, the Western youth are worrying about wearing colorful laces on their boots to support the gays and lesbians where the Muslim sportsman is hugging his father and mum, kissing their heads, kissing their hands. You know, it shows the difference, big difference between the Muslim youth and the non-Muslim youth. I'm not going to say all the non-Muslim youth, but a big part of the Western non-Muslim youth is a big difference. And Muslims are holding on to their culture, holding on, and I think holding on to their background, to their religion, for, I think there's a lot of khair, akhi, suraha. Yani, oh. I understand that there's differences of opinion between the scholars regarding soccer, regarding football, regarding the World Cup, supporting, not supporting, following, not following. But I think a lot of khair came out of it. And you've seen Mathurin, Zekir, and Naik. Yeah, I was just going to say. Kafi, other the Dawa project there, is the going Dawah, on. Even Qatar themselves. Yani, subhanAllah, yeah, the Muslims and the Arabs, the descendants of Ismail, alayhi salam, descendants of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They're known to be generous, Akhi. Mm. So if you look at the Arabs, how they welcome their guests, I, I'd say that they it's they overdone it. Many yeah. people will say this overdone it, Akhi. But they welcome their guests. You have people coming in, experiencing a, like a Muslim environment, the way they they prevented 
the the gays and lesbians and all the sort of uh, LGBT, also alcohol alcohol was drinking running. alcohol these, these are stages messages, and, yeah. very very I'd say powerful messages and saying there's negatives at the same time we must be munsif we have to be in have self there are positives as well in what's happened and I th- I think that a Muslim generally has to try to utilize and uh, yani and and try to make the best out of all all circumstances yani Allahu oh. Zakallah khair. Um, coming to our region, no. I uh, wanted to discuss uh, with you also shortly, uh, maybe about uh, the liberated areas. It, it might be a bit confusing to the people outside who do not understand what's going on really here in uh, Syria, especially in the northwest uh, of Syria or also in the northern areas of Syria. Mm. We have uh, two different areas which are called liberated areas. It's the areas which is controlled by Hayat-Tahrir-Sham, which is uh, the greater Idlib area, mm. which uh, includes uh, northern Latakia, uh, northern Hama, uh, southern and, uh, and eastern uh, and northern uh, Idlib, and also uh, some parts of western Aleppo which is the greater Idlib area is known to to the people. Mm. And then we have uh, the areas which is uh, controlled by the Turkish-backed Syrian National Army, which Mm. is in the northern areas, the Euphrates Shield areas, the uh, Olive Branch Operations areas like Afrin, Azaz, Al-Bab, Jarablus, those areas in the northern Aleppo side. And uh, and the fact that just one or two months ago there was uh, some skirmish between uh, the groups Tahrisham entered uh, the northern areas uh, to Afrin and they were trying to continue towards Azaz and then uh, it got uh, somehow solved and you know it calmed down now mm-hmm. at this moment. Mm-hmm. So the people might ask now, uh, first of all, why are there two deliberate areas? Why is the liberated areas, why are the liberated areas not united under, under just one revolutionary uh, body? You know, like governmental and military-wise, no. just as Idlib is. Mm. You know, why is the Aleppo areas, the liberated areas of Aleppo, not united? Mm. Subhanallah, it's a very deep, very deep topic, Yani. Yeah. And uh, at the moment, I'd say it's a priority or the most important topic. No. I strongly believe, Akhi, that if the Syrian revolution and its its men do not organize themselves and unify soon, then something else, someone else will take this parachi. Mm. And uh, it's reached a stage where there's there's no real, yani, there's no real reason why there shouldn't be unity. Mm. I try to think of like, why, why should there not What's be What's the reason, yani? yeah. Yani, I'm, I'm, I'm saying on an Islamic, or even on a, a organizational, uh, managemental no. perspective. I'm not saying on a personal, like you know, my own personal benefits or like the enemies. What they? I'm saying internally. Any? What is the obstacle? I, I, I wouldn't. Three years ago, I'd say, uh, it's a tough one, man. It's difficult. It's difficult, yeah. sort of high. It's postpone it. Any? Put it on the ice. But now, like even from the start of like 2022 onwards what is the reason it just doesn't make sense what is blocking it from you know what I mean yeah. why even like 
<coughs> I followed up some uh, yani personalities in the, in the Middle East, Qataris and uh, Saudis and other people that maybe pro-revolution speak about what's happening on the ground. You really find the sense that they're just amazed. Like, how could you not unify here? Just doesn't make any sense at How all. How could you fail to unify yeah. and after 11 years of revolution? Also, okay, um, just like touching upon the word unify, could be understood in many different ways. And um, I think it's not, it shouldn't be a black and white uh, understanding of unification. Yani. There's, there's many different ways, like there's many different scenarios that can achieve it. It's not black and white, Yanni. For subhanAllah, yani, the unification of like uh, the northern part of Syria, northern Italy, northern Aleppo, eastern Aleppo, yani, this is a strategic obstacle, yani, and at the same time, a, a strategic opportunity, uh, which needs to be exploited. And I think what happened in uh, like two months ago, I think in uh, in November, October, November, mm. what happened between the factions in northern Aleppo, I think it broke the ice. I think it opened up opportunities for this. And it was like, it's got to get done. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just got to happen. And there's... There's always going to be issues in front of you, in front of it, Yanni. Mm. <clears throat> so, you did, you do have people that uh, oppose uh, some sort of a unity or some sort of a unified umbrella. You have people that oppose this. Why is it? In your opinion? Yeah, I, I mean, I have my of, opinion. Yeah, yeah. What I, is think, your opinion? I think there's a lot of uh, a lot at stake. To lose personal, particular personality. To lose, yeah. If you don't look at the greater benefit, or you don't look at a, a, a greater project, then you have a lot to lose, okay. If it's your personal project, yeah. If it's if it's something that you've got your own little circle or your own little group, or your own little, and you benefit from the yeah, situation, yeah. Also, I think, yeah, they are uh, international. And maybe regional powers, which may not, may not be happy with it. It's. I think they're more it's like the way the the status quo at the moment's better off for them. Mm. Like unity. Okay, what could that lead to? Let's avoid that because it's grey. It's strange. Now yeah. we know what it's like. It's Leave clear it as it, it is. is. No. You know what I mean? Mm. We know how to deal with this situation yeah. now. But if unity happens, unity new things could happen. Which direction could things go? Mm. And that's what may may, and you have the Russian uh, war against Ukraine invasion of Ukraine. It's sort of, yani, it's put the whole world on on edge. And yeah, uh, all of a sudden the war is knocking uh, the doors of Europe now. Yeah, exactly. So to have a unity in northern Syria, where it's a war zone, Russia's got presence. Uh, you have uh, American interests maybe at stake. You have Turkish interests maybe at stake. Yani, it's it's. I think it's a lot of obstacles there with regards to the region international, mm. and also I'd say on, on, the, on the, like you could say to to give the flip uh, perspective, I think there's there's uh, interests like there's an interest in the in the regional and international powers for there to be unity here. 
So that grey, maybe the grey understanding of where things could uh, project, I think that's what may make people afraid mm. of unity, any countries or regions or powers, etc. But for the Syrian people <coughs> and their cause, and for the Syrian revolution's benefit, and for the jihad and here in Bled Sham, unity is the key. The key. Allah subhanahu wa says, Allah subhanahu wa وَلَا تَنَازَعُوا فَتَفْشَدُوا وَتَذَبَ رِيحُكُمْ وَاسْبِرُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَا الصَّبْرِينَ And do not dispute. فَتَفْشَدُوا You will fail. Allah's promise. فَتَفْشَدُوا وَتَذَبَ رِيحُكُمْ And any haiba or any, any power or any strength, it will, it will disappear. وَاسْبِرُوا And be patient. إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَا الصَّبْرِينَ Surely Allah is with the patient. It shows through this amazing ayah that you will find hardship and issues uniting. and problems uniting. But that is the key, akhi. That is the key. The, the key is in this ayah, No. For subhanAllah, thinking that of an op- another option really doesn't make sense, akhi. Really doesn't make sense. And wallahi, it's, it's hard seeing our, our brothers local brothers here at the end of the day we're we're yani muhajireen or we're mathalan yani, yani we've migrated here we're supporters for our brothers here we stand by them behind them in front of them on their side defending them protecting them yeah so they can get through their hardship and their their, their journey yani. so it's it's hard for us to see our brothers going through this hardship mm. and people that are you know struggling day and night and to see at the end that, you know, they're facing obstacles sometimes out of their hands to achieve and to solve. And then they put their hands up and ask Allah for help, you know what I mean? And subhanAllah, and that's another thing that drives drives us to, like we mentioned at the yeah. start of the discussion. You know. So northern Aleppo, Idlib, and unity is the key, Yaki. Unity is the key. Are they not going to find obstacles? Are they not going to find issues? They will, surely they will, Yaki. I want to talk... Uh I want to compare between mm. uh, the northern Aleppo areas okay. and, and between Idlib oh. without being too biased. <laughs> uh, you went there also, oh. as you shared the picture from Afrin. And uh, I was there also. Okay. I didn't share no picture. Okay. <laughs> but I was there. <laughs> and uh, I remembered uh, the days of 2014 and 15 in Idlib. That's just the same situation in Afrin mm. there. Because in 2014, 2015, you would drive from one city to another city mm. in the liberated areas and you would find 20 different checkpoints mm. of different groups. And at every group, you would have to say you're with another group mm. which they are in coalition with. Mm. So they don't cause you issues. No. You understand? So obviously you understand. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so uh, especially as a foreigner having this uh, going through different checkpoints of different groups that was a big issue no. at, at those times in 2014 2015 and also there was not much uh, security safety like you would not go after maghrib and and after the sun is down you would not go go down on the streets just for fun and you would only go out of the house if it's uh, necessary to go out mm. you know there was not such safety but right now I drive alone 
alone. I drive two o'clock in the night yeah. from Sarmada to Idlib, which is a 35 minute ride mm. Yeah, mm. through the highway. Mm. And I would go to Idlib, mm. walk in the city mm. and be safe and come back again at that time. No problem. Like in the offensive time in, in Russia, mm. uh, sometimes uh, I would get news that, okay, at Fajr time, the Mujahideen are going to advance uh, or like uh, yani attempt to advance. Mm. So I was, uh, I was in the Western Idlib uh, parts. I was no. living there at that no. time. No. So I would need... Uh, I would need to leave uh, two o'clock in the night mm. on my bike, yeah, on my dirt bike or, yeah. or, or Jebeli, I need the you know the mountain bike, bike yeah. because with cars it's uh, a bit pointless to go to the front lines no. because you will be an easy target. No. So I would drive at two o'clock or three o'clock in the night alone from uh, the western uh, Idlib countryside to the southern Idlib countryside. Mm. That was like two hour ride. In the night time, and it was safe, alhamdulillah. No. But when I was now in uh, in Afrin, mm. and this was, wallahi, this was the first thing to happen to me. I went to Afrin, we went to the main roundabout, and there is a shawarma shop there mm. uh, in uh, at the roundabout. So obviously we were hungry, and we were waiting for other people to link up with us, you know, because they knew the area, we didn't know the area. Okay. So they messaged us and said, okay, come to the main roundabout, and we'll take you around from there. I was okay. So we reached there and then we parked up there. The brothers didn't turn up. Uh, so the brother with me said, uh, let's just go in and eat uh, a shawarma. Mm. What do you think? I was like, okay, yeah, let's go in and eat. You know, we don't know how long we're going to be here. Uh, you know, uh, we might be hungry later on. So we went into the shawarma shop now, two guys of uh, us and me and uh, a brother with me. Mm. And then we ordered and the shopkeeper, the owner of the shop was there. Mm. So we ordered of him. And we were like, you know, being nice to him and like speaking normally, you know. No. And then we sat down on the table. Mm. The brother with me, he had military clothes on and he had a big beard and, you know, all the the looks of uh, of the people in Idlib, yeah, no. <laughs> mostly. Mm. So uh, we sat down and then I saw him coming over to our table. Mm. He, stand, he stood up from his cashier table and came to our area. And the brother with me... Uh, he was busy with uh, on his phone, something trying to link up with the guys. So, so this guy said, uh, "Can I sit?" I said, "Yes, of course you can sit." Tfaddal, you know. So he sat down and he said to me, "Look, man, I, I've I've got an issue." I said, "Tfaddal, what, what is your issue?" He said, uh, "The guys came today again and uh, asked me for money, the weekly money I'm paying them, mm. basically protection money. Mm. He's paying protection money to uh, the groups." Uh, who are controlling those areas at that mm. time. Mm. So uh, he said, what should I do? I said, uh, look, there, just at the roundabout, outside the window, you see, these guys, they are, uh, they are the security forces, mm. you know. Uh, you can go to them and explain to them the situation, and I'm sure they'll help you, because in Idlib, yani, because these were the security forces from Idlib mm. at that time, mm. at the roundabout, when, uh, you know, Hay Tahrasham took over Afrin at that time. Mm. So I say go to them and uh, explain them your your problem and ask them what you should do. Mm. Because he said uh, I said to the guy that I'm not going to pay it because right now here Tahrasham is inside the area and you you are not uh, you are not going to be able to uh, uh, protect us from here Tahrasham. Mm. So what's the point of paying you protection money? So the guy sorry. So the guy said to him wait 10 days and here Tahrasham is going to be out and then uh, I'll see you. Mm. 
He basically threatened him mm. about 20, 30 liras, man, mm. which is like one and a half dollars. Nah. Yeah, nah. he threatened a man, yeah, who's trying to make uh, a living, mm. has his own shop, trying to sell and you know do his business, look after his family in a halal manner. You know, nah. so he went out. He spoke to the security force. I don't know what they told him, but he came back and he made dua. He said, "Mashallah." I'm really happy about the situation, you know. Allah qawwihum, Allah iftah alayhum, you know, may Allah make them victorious, may Allah give them strength and power, and may Allah uh, take revenge from those groups who were there before. No. So I was really shocked about this mm. because we don't have things like that in Idlib. We don't know, like, protection money and... No. I don't know such things. No. Yeah, of course, there are mistakes happening, of course. There are wrongs mm. happening, mm. you know. Mm. But like things like that, like where security forces or or groups, revolutionary groups here in Idlib are going about just like uh, gangsters, you know, like threatening people just because they got a gun and they got military power and they are like uh, trying to cut protection money off the mm. people's rizq, you know, mm. that's not on in Idlib. We don't know this this no. business, you know. No. So it was really surprising no. to me. No. So you were in Afrin also. No. Uh, how did you see? There, there are many other things also. Mm. Like this was, I think, in Afrin, I've seen a, a non-hijabi woman since after nine years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was shocked when I saw it. I was not used to that. I didn't yeah. see non-hijabi women since nine years, alhamdulillah. Mm. When I saw it, I was like, am I seeing right, guys? And they were like, bro, you're not supposed to look. I said, yeah, okay, I'm not looking, but I'm, did I see it right? Is that a woman without hijab walking around, bro? And they were like, yeah, it's, it's normal here. I was like, what do you mean it's normal here? You know? No. So, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah for the blessing, you know. Wallahi, akhi, when I came back from Afrin, I was there uh, approximately two days. Yeah. When I came back to Idlib, right from the border crossing, yeah, which is also funny to have a border crossing yeah, between two right. liberated areas, unfortunately. Yeah. But when I came back to to our areas, like these areas we are living in, I was like, oh. I realized the, the the blessing we are living in. Allah, yeah. it's a big blessing we are living in. Alhamdulillah, and it's unfortunate for the people over there to having to live like this. You know, yeah. Subhanallah. So. What did you see? What what did you? How would you compare? Subhanallah, uh, I think there's a number of ways that you know, in comparison. I'd like to make a quick uh, point, very important point. I think Ahi. Yes. There's a lot of uh, good, genuine brothers in northern Aleppo, as well as in Idlib. You know. Yes. A lot of good, genuine people. You know. uh, I think northern Aleppo is an example of what disunity is going to be like. Ahi. Yeah, or what is this disunity is like, like you mentioned in 2015, 2016. That every group is just doing what, whatever they want to. Yeah, it's just a really sour flavor. Really. It's not a, it's not a environment you'd want your wife and, and children and, and parents to live in. Really. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely something that, that shouldn't carry on. Really. It needs to, it needs to be yani, cured. Um, I think there's a number of ways to evaluate. And to, to you could say com- compare services very important uh, the services provided to the people you know. at the end of the day the government's role the reason why the government's there is to serve the people yeah like as an example they have electricity since one or two years before us mm. right and there was no street lamps yet mm. in the night time the, the streets were all dark yeah 
I, th- I think serving the people is going to be the center of center of attention, Achi. And uh, I feel like <coughs> that that atmosphere uh, may not have been very present in northern Aleppo. That the serving of the people is is the the primary aspect. Mm. In addition to that, security. Yani Allah subhanahu wa taala says. Uh, that he's the one that feeds them from hunger and brings them security f- after fear or from fear. For security, the people, yani, at the end of the day, in my house, if I don't feel secure, I'm going to live my life depressed, unhappy, always agitated. Uh, tensed. Uh, it won't be a, a sound and peaceful life, yani. No. So security, yani. internal security, as well as that the military body, the presence of the militaries to defend, the Ministry of Defense they call it. It's to defend the people. No. So their role is on the front lines. It's not in the ranks. It's not in the streets. It's not in the highways. It's not. In, their role is on the front lines. So these are like the the pillars of comparison, no. the pillars of evaluation, and this is what <clears throat> I think will be the uh, the balance, or you could say, what will win the war for the for any of the sides in, in the Syrian war. No. Who's going to provide the services to the people? Who's doing it genuinely for the sake of Allah? Thumma. For the people, and well, who's doing it for other purposes, okay? and who's providing the best form of services? Who's providing? Who's who's utilizing the wealth of the people at the end of the day? Like you're using the wealth of the people as a manner to serve them, to serve them. not to serve yourself exactly. and your cause. To serve them, who's protecting them? Who's defending them? It's them, okay? No. They're the pinnacle. They're the primary, yani, the center of gravity, serving them, the people. Yeah. This all comes after that you're doing all your work according to the laws of Islam. So if you're doing your work according to the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam, and the legislation, Islamic legis- legislation, yeah. and you're doing it in a way which serves the people and serves their interest, not a Western or European or Eastern or Southern country, their interest, the people's interest. <coughs> this is the party that will win the war in Syria. He'll win the hearts and minds of the people. They'll, they'll defend him. They'll welcome him. They'll request for him to come. As we've seen, I'm not going to say that Idlib, or I'm not going to mention any any area. The comparison itself shows okay, when you put these sort of points out, it, yeah. it shows itself. Okay. For sure, people will start calling for this for this party or this this you know side of the wall. Please come, please come. They'll make dua day and night for you to come. So really, this should be proposed to all the parties. Okay. And uh, this will be the balance. You, know, you, you could say the scale. Allahu Alam. And, 
you know, unity will will pour directly into that benefit. And uh, even though, let's not just compare uh, Idlib with northern Aleppo, let's compare Idlib with eastern Syria, with the areas managed by the Autonomous, uh, autonomous administration, anonymous, uh, sorry, anonymous administration, SDF, and uh, and the Assad regime areas. The comparison you can you can broaden the comparison, and I think that's the way it should be looked at. Actually. And uh, hopefully, in the future, it'll be three comparisons, you know, between northern Syria, the liberated areas, with the eastern Syria, with the Assad regime. No. Not Idlib with northern Aleppo. Yeah. Then Idlib was. Allah. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think that'll that'll sort of have be a big big win for us, for the revolution side. Yeah. This will be a a, a, va- a a fatal blow to the Assad regime, fatal blow. Especially Russia's on the back foot, Iran's got internal problems, the Assad regime's going through it's financial, economic, social, security finished. crisis. Oh. It's oh. like a skeleton just waiting to die, Yanni. So there's many opportunities in front of the revolution, أخي. and uh, the Syrian people, they're so determined, أخي. they just put up with it and keep going. أخي. Yeah, they are. Put up with it, keep going, put up with it, keep going, you know what I mean? They so this determination, this, uh, you know, this spirit, and uh, you know, their love for, the, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even like the, the poor, the basic Muslim here, he's, he loves Allah. أخي. You bring up the book of Allah or you know, yeah. any from a verse or... And he's patient with the situation. You know I mean? He's very patient. Poverty. That is the only thing carrying on. Yani. Yeah, these, th- this environment is a fruitful environment, environment that, uh, inshallah, has uh, the right ingredients to win the war. Inshallah. Inshallah. So there are ob- obstacles in front of the Syrian people, and they're carrying on. One of the obstacles is unity, which is prime obstacle. And I think... Like I, I said earlier, and the, the ice has been broken. Yeah, I think they are working. Towards I think it's it coming now. closer. It's step by step, Yeah, coming closer. Uh, the factions are hopefully will be in in the past. You know, it'll be like a past thing. The factions. No. There'll be a government, unified government, unified management, unified army. Uh, in a way that pleases Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, abides by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's laws. Inshallah. Yani, this will be a grand victory for the Muslim people here in, in Simbled, Sham, and Syria. Yani. And then step by step, step by step. You know what I mean? One of the scholars mentioned a hadith a couple of days ago where Prophet asked, why don't, you, why don't you ask Allah to give us victory? For the Prophet explained to the Sahaba how, what, what the people before them went through. That even of them, his flesh was separated from his bone. Of them was cut sword in half but they didn't leave their religion. And then he said to the Sahaba, but we, you, are a peop- you are a people that are in a rush, or hasty. And we, us, as an ummah, we want something without putting effort and time yeah. and patience. We want it quickly happen. Quickly, you know, like the sport, the, the yeah. World Cup. Yeah. Quick victory, Yanni. Yani. Yeah. Yani. It touched, it touched the, the it heart. quenched my thirst. Yani. Yeah. Nah, it needs time, it needs patience, it needs dedication. We're going to go through a lot of hardship. The Prophet also went through a lot of hardship. How many people called the Prophet all sorts of names? They called him uh, all sorts of yani, descriptions that are all false. And he taught us through his life the perfect way 
of being patient and following through to achieve your goals. No, to and be determined. Determined and put your eyes on the prize, the greater prize, Yanni. SubhanAllah. I think there's, Yanni, the, the Muslims here in Bilal Sham have, have a lot of front in front of them, a lot of khair in front of them, Akhi. And slowly but surely. Let's hope we're not of those who are hasty, Akhi. Slowly but surely we'll achieve it, inshallah. Inshallah, It was good having you. Thank you. And uh, may Allah reward you for being our first guest on our my, new my program. Zakhlah khair for Wa'ayyum. your time. Wa'ayyum. And uh, thank you for watching, brothers and sisters. This was our first episode of uh, the new Middle East with our special guest, our brother Ibrahim ibn Mas'ud. And uh, we hope to see you again in our new episode. Jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.